This is an RNZ podcast. Earlier this week, Tairi MP Ingrid Leary arrived at her electorate office to find her windows covered in anti-trans graffiti. The attack was denounced from all corners, with Leary herself saying it was cowardly and a sad reflection of the vandals' values. But despite that condemnation, it still felt like a sign that the culture war over trans rights overseas might be migrating here in Aotearoa. An anti-trans movement is quite entrenched now in the UK, where segments of the media have hosted overheated claims, counterclaims and commentary about trans issues. Just last week, for example, the BBC published an article about lesbian women feeling pressured into sex with trans women. And that was based on an unrepresentative survey of just 80 women, and it quoted a former adult film star, Lily Cade, who recently called for trans women to be executed or even lynched. The BBC then removed Cade's contribution to that article, but the broadcaster maintained it was an important piece of journalism nonetheless. And that article wasn't an outlier. Author Sean Fay found that the Times and Sunday Times newspapers in the UK alone ran more than 300 stories on trans issues in 2020, almost all of them negative in tone. Now, the New Zealand media has been relatively free of these kind of damaging narratives, but in September, the Otago Daily Times was heavily criticised for publishing an advert by the group Speak Up For Women, which insists trans women are not women. And it's understood that other media companies rejected that ad. And in September, the Media Council censured News Hub over this sentence in a story about a protest aimed at Speak Up For Women. Speak Up For Women has denied being anti-trans, but it maintains that trans women are not women, a distinctly anti-trans sentiment. A majority of the Media Council's members said that breached Principle 4 of the Council's Code, which obliges media to draw a clear distinction between comment and factual reporting. The decision was split, though. Four Media Council members argued it was fair to describe denying trans people a fundamental part of their identity as an anti-trans viewpoint. Now, these flare-ups come in the context of two bills passing through Parliament which will impact on trans rights as well. The Conversion Practices Prohibition Legislation Bill, which would ban organised efforts to suppress people's gender identity or sexuality, and the Births, Deaths, Marriages and Relationships Registration Bill, which would allow people to more easily change the gender marker listed on their birth certificate. Now, all this has many people in the local trans community feeling nervous that they may soon be subject to intense and sometimes maybe even hostile media coverage. Ross Palethorpe is a trans man who works in mental health, and on his blog, called Trans Lives Matter and Can Be Boring, he's written about his identity being used as talk radio fodder and as a flashpoint in a wider culture war. Media Watch's Hayden Donnell spoke to Ross about his hopes that the media might better reflect trans people's normal and sometimes even boring lives in future. Kia ora, Ross, and welcome to Media Watch. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, if people can't tell from your accent, you're from the UK where there's this kind of toxic media debate over trans rights. And what's it like for you, just first of all, seeing that media cycle play out back home? It's worrying as someone who lives here that there might be a bit of creep into the media in New Zealand. It does make me feel very vigilant um, whenever I see anything related to transgender rights in New Zealand media. I, I do sort of brace myself for the worst. Back in June, there was some, some articles about in, um, in News Hub, I think, around 
uh, trans people in sports, there had been a petition and there was all of the people that were interviewed for the piece were cisgendered people who had opinions that transgender people shouldn't participate in sport. We are talked a lot about, but very rarely are we talked to, and very rarely do we get the opportunity to present our opinions. And when we do it, there's a, a certain uh, reluctance to engage because we're not sure we're going to get given a fair shake. We did have this small flare-up or this kind of training run for this uh, when we mm. had Laurel Hubbard being included on the New Zealand Olympic team. Do you think that our media generally handled that well? Better than I had expected. Uh, not as good as I would have hoped. It was good to see lots of quotes coming out in support of Laurel. And it was good to see politicians and other sports people being vocal in their support for that. It felt like it was a bit conditional. And I think there was... A lot of unnecessary media generated about it. Like she was never, if you looked at the statistics, I think everybody became an expert in women's heavyweight Olympic weightlifting around that time, the way that everyone is now an epidemiologist. Here was someone who was never going to trouble the podium, who's just another athlete. And to sort of have turned it into this, this is the end of women's sports as we know it. This is the end of the Olympics as we know it. The world did not stop turning. Women's weightlifting continues on as it has always done. We see this over and over and over again with trans rights. All of these terrible things that are predicted don't happen because they were never going to. If you have never met someone who is openly transgender, all you have read about them are endless opinion pieces by people who've also never met a transgender person about how we are coming for your gold medals, we are coming for your children, we are going to do X, Y, and Z. If that's the only view that you have of us, and there is no nuance to that, there is no um, recognition that there are people that we are talking about here, and not just some um, vague concept. The thing that you wrote that I, I really enjoyed was that your blog, it was titled Trans Lives Matter Brackets and Can Be Boring. <laughs> and isn't that the stuff that's really missing? Often the focus is just on the fact that they're trans and, and, it's, and they're not portrayed just living normal life. Oh, hugely. I can think of a thousand other things I would rather do than keep abreast of what the media in another country has to say about me, and especially around trans women, really victimised and really demonised, is this debate. You can have women's rights or you can have trans rights, where, you know, it's not. It's around... It's around the right to dignity and it's around the right to live your life in peace as your authentic self. Those two things are not, not at odds. It's a manufactured debate. Having said that, there are genuine uh, stories that are going to touch on trans issues. I think of stuff like uh, the births, deaths, marriages and relationship registration bill, which allows people to update the sex marker on their birth certificate or the conversion therapy bill. And these are democratic processes and public bills that the media is going to cover hmm. how can they do that in a way that isn't going to stigmatize and hurt trans people it's difficult because i mean i i submitted to both of those bills and i made the point when i talked about the bdmrr as i said it's it's a minor administrative point it's a small number of people will be able to change a single letter on a birth certificate you know cisgender people don't have to think about these things and it shouldn't be as much of an issue as it is so it's not just the media it's also at a government level at a systemic level it's why do these things have to be the big issues that they are i mean conversion i'm not going to call it therapy because trying to force someone out of being their authentic self 
is not what I would consider to be a therapeutic practice. These are human rights issues. In terms of the media, it's really thinking about this is a, a fundamental issue of human rights. How do we reframe this in terms of we are supporting a group of people to be more comfortable in how they go around their day-to-day lives? Do we have to frame this as some massive attack on women's rights? Do we have to really find someone who thinks that this is foretelling the end of Western civilization as we know it? Ross, you raised a complaint about a News Hub story with the headline controversy brewing over transgender children's access to puberty blockers. And that was just about a young trans woman. Now, what was your issue with that story? That was a young person who was put in a very vulnerable position. And instead of just letting her tell her story, it became, you know, we've also talked to this American GP in America uh, for her take on why puberty blockers are bad. The family felt very let down in how that had been portrayed. I'm quite public about that. Is that because it's a story where someone's identity is sort of portrayed as a matter for debate, and public debate, yeah. rather than something that's so personal to them? Yeah, and also it's this idea that uh, gender identity clinics, sexual health clinics, are sort of handing out hormones and puberty blockers like Smarties at Halloween. In actual fact, the process for getting medical support as a transgender person is actually quite complicated and the the criteria is quite rigorous, but there's never any real discussion about what that's actually like. And into that gap, you have, as I said, you know, you had an American GP who's not an expert to provide an opposing view to Otago University's sort of head of pediatrics, someone who's not qualified to talk about it. And you presented it as being of equal weight. And uh, their response was just, we, 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 have an, we have an obligation to present an opposing view. And it's like, do you know? I'm sure if we went back to uh, stuff like the debate over the legalization of homosexuality in the 80s or something like that, we'd find that we in the media platformed a whole bunch of deeply bigoted comments and views in the name of providing that other side. And we'd probably be pretty ashamed of some of the stuff that we printed in our newspapers or broadcast on our radio stations. So... Is this kind of a consistent feature of any social liberalization? And are we in danger of repeating some of the mistakes of the past when it comes to covering these debates? Oh, 100%. 100%. I'm going to be really interested to see in about 20 years which MPs and which columnists write the half apology around how it was a different time and how they wish they had covered these things differently because now they realize that that was maybe not the right thing to do. The only time I saw people like me represented in any way was footage of AIDS victims, which is such a damaging, you know, environment to grow up in, you know, the, the, the way that the British tabloids and I imagine the New Zealand tabloids talked about gay rights and things was phenomenally damaging. And we're starting to see it again. And I, I, you know, when I think about young trans and gender non-conforming people who I, who I know, they are just coming into their sense of self. And what they see is a media environment, which is painting them in this extremely negative light. And then we wonder why mental health statistics for LGBT young people are as, as dire as they are. RNZ has a new podcast, which is called Let's Be Transparent. And it tells the story of a trans man's transition and how his mother dealt with it. You're driving along to a lovely holiday spot when suddenly she says, So, I think I'm transgender. What the f- 
Okay, that's probably not exactly what she said, but I'm pretty sure that's what my mum was thinking. Kia ora, I'm Joseph Stockhausen, and this is a podcast where I take you on a journey that both my mum and I travelled after I first came out as transgender. How important is that kind of positive coverage? This kind of coverage is really important so that young people or and their, and their whānau can see that kind of representation and maybe have a little bit of a roadmap for how they can navigate their own medical and social transitions. It can't be the only thing. We are either portrayed generally as being very young. It's all about trans children and trans youth who are very important. I want to just make that clear, but also I would like to see it would have been great if Laurel Hubbard had been given the same kind of sporting profile as uh, any other athlete. I would have liked to have known about her training regimen. I would have liked to have heard the the coming backstory from when she was injured. But instead, the focus was entirely on her identity as a trans person. You think that would be almost more helpful to see trans people just (laughs) doing something in the media that's not related to their identity as a trans person? I think so. Yeah, it's it's you can't you can't be what you can't see. And it goes back to that idea of, our, you know, I, I know transgender people who work in a wide range of fields. And that sort of just seeing people for whom their gender identity is a part of who they are and maybe informs sort of the work that they do or their view of the world. But that not being all that they are, I think, is really, really important, because once you move past this sole part of the identity as being the whole of the person, that's when we start being seen as being part of the community and less of an, a sort of avatar for people's fears and concerns. If you could say anything to a journalist who is looking at covering trans people, trans issues, what would it be? Who's being centred in this story? And what are you trying to get out of it? Has this story had input from somebody who is trans? Is there possibly a trans journalist who could either be on board with you to write it or write it instead. Are you writing about us or are you writing with us? I think is, is a real key thing. It creates a bit of a chilling effect whereby if trans people have this idea that that's how they're going to be portrayed in the media, then we'll stop engaging. That's not what we want. Thank you so much for joining me, Roth. No, it's been a pleasure.